bless the Lord together. Come on. Is he worthy of praise today? Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God. Pastor Trevor, would you grab those back doors there, please, in Jesus' name. Amen. While you're standing, we're going to go to the book of Psalms, the 104th Psalm. I'm going to read verse 1, and then I'm going to drop down and read verse 31 in your hearing. And then I'm going to preach and teach what the Lord has given me. Amen. As you're turning, let me say welcome to everyone here in person today. God bless you. We love you. All of you joining online, we love you as well. And pray that the Lord ministers today, amen, as only he can. Psalm 140, excuse me, 104, verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord my God, you are very great. You are clothed with honor and majesty. Drop down to verse 31. The glory of the Lord shall endure forever. The Lord shall rejoice in his works. And I want to treach just a little bit today. That's preach and teach. I want to treach just a little bit today on this subject. First, a Savior. First, a Savior. Let's pray. Father, let the living word preach the written word. Cause my tongue to be the pen of a ready writer. Open our understanding that we might comprehend the scripture. We are submitted to you. We are submitted to the authority over us. So therefore we resist the devil. He must flee. Every hindrance has to be cast out. Every antichrist spirit has to subject itself to the authority of Jesus Christ. And we pray all these things and believe them in the name of Jesus. And would you say amen? amen. You may be seated. The Lord richly bless you. Psalm 104 is a magnificent praise psalm heralding the one true God who is the creator of the universe. In fact, Malachi 2.10 says it this way, Have we not all one Father? Has not one God created us? Praise the Lord. So the opening book of the Old Testament and the closing book of the Old Testament heralds the fact that there is one creator. Praise God. It's possible that John may have reached back to Psalm 104 when he saw in his vision the 24 elders casting their crowns before the throne of God and worshiping Him and saying in Revelation 4.11, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For You have created all things, and for Your pleasure they were, they are and were created. Psalm 104 clearly and beautifully and accurately heralds and highlights the six days of creation. We know on day one light was created and verse two of this psalm declares the light of God. We know on day two that firmament and waters were separated and created and we see chapter 104 verses 2 through 4 expressing this. On day 3, land and vegetation, trees and water becoming distinct from the land were all created. Verses 5 through 18 of Psalm 104 highlight 
and point this out for us. On the fourth day, the creation, sun, moon, and stars were created to herald the seasons and times and so forth. And we see verses 19 through 24 of Psalm 104 speaking of these cosmic beauties and their function. On day five, the creatures of the sea and the air were created and verses 25 and 26 of this psalm express that. On day six, animals and man and food were all created and we see verses 21 through 30 expressing this. In other words, it's as if this psalm, whoever the writer is, some attribute it to David, uh, some just leave it unknown, but whomever the psalmist is, they're reaching back to the ancient story, the ancient account of truth that was in the book of Genesis and they're heralding forth the, the beauty of God's creation. Amen. But how many of you know we live in a very secular, humanistic, atheistic society? Unfortunately, there is a message preached in government schools. I no longer call them public schools. They're government schools. Because they proclaim an atheistic message that even the devils aren't dumb enough to believe. Say, well, what's that? I'm glad you asked. The Bible says the devils know there's one God and tremble. And so an atheistic view that there is no God, a humanistic view that somehow, eons ago, kaboom, something happened in the cosmos and an amoeba you know, became some sort of other thing and that thing became something else and eventually man started walking. Even the devils aren't dumb enough to believe that. And while we're told as Christians not to preach and convert and proselyte people, they can herald this false doctrine as if it is scientific fact. And yet time and again it is proven that this textbook in this classroom says 54 billion years. But this textroom in that a textbook in that classroom says 78 billion years. And then this one over here says, well, no, it's more like 13 billion. And none of them can agree. And then when you get into the depth of all this, you see that those scientists that claim that evolution is really science are paid to say so. So when it says X amount of scientists believe such and such, it's because they've been paid to say they believe such and such and aren't truly practicing real and, and serious science. Let me say this. The Bible is not a science textbook, but sci true science is proven by the Bible. Mm. Mm. And, 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 and why are they so anti-creation? Why are they so anti-flood? Well, Peter talks about this in his epistle, and he says they are willfully ignorant, which means they choose to not believe it. Why? Because if you can take away the first book of the Bible and the first chapters of the Bible and say this isn't true, then you can say everything else isn't true either. And so they attack at the foundation of truth. Well, well, well. I just want everybody to know, your children may act like monkeys, but they did not come from monkeys. Just want to clear that up. Okay? There we go. Uh, 
we did not somehow evolve from some cosmic burp in the universe that sent particles flying through space in some unexplained chance and random change, and suddenly the world is as we know it now. didn't happen that way. Those who subscribed to such unexplained beliefs and believe there is no God and therefore there is no heaven to gain or hell to shun, for them it's all meaningless, it's bankrupt, it's a philosophy that will die and decay. There's no hope, there's no joy, nothing to look forward to. You know, here's the thing I don't understand about such a humanistic, atheistic doctrine. If there's nothing to live for, if there's nothing after this, and I just go back to dust and dirt, what is the purpose? But if I can be born again and regenerated and the inward man, that spirit man, as the Bible says, being renewed day by day, if I have something to look forward to, if I have a hope to look forward to, oh, come on. It's not just emotionalism. It's not just something to get goosebumps running up and down your arms. It's the Holy Ghost because it's the truth. Hallelujah. Well, well, well. Against such empty darkness of evolutionary humanism, the radiant light of Psalm 104 shines more brightly, revealing the one true creator. I could spend time, the rest of the, the, the time we have in this first half, preaching about why we need to trust the Bible and resist so-called man-made sciences of this world. I could spend time exploring each verse and its detail regarding God's six days of creation. I, I could spend time expositing the beauty of God and all that He created as Psalm 104 explains to us. But I come to this pulpit today compelled as Jude was to, to speak about something differently. I, I come today to share a burden birthed from Psalm 104 but birthed in prayer. How many of you know that the Bible says in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. I'm compelled to preach to you today about something that happened before creation, before Psalm 104, before Genesis 1 and 2. Hallelujah. Mm. Can we just pause a minute and lift our hands and thank God for who He is? Can you just take a moment out of this first half and say, Lord, thank you for who you are. Mm. On the balcony of space stepped a pure and holy God and in awesome solitude he stood alone. Not one faint star to give him light, just endless rolling, blackest night. But somehow, through all the darkness, he 
could see. He saw mountains high and lofty. He saw valleys lush and green. He saw babbling brooks, wildflowers grow, and even heard a robin sing. But he felt a strange compassion as close to love as pain can be. Standing out there in his tomorrows, he saw me. He saw me in his likeness. He saw me just like him, pure, clean, and holy, spotless, white within. But he saw me bound in heavy chains and longed to set me free. But he knew if I became like him, he must become like me. And Jesus paid it all, all to him. I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Can we just thank the Lord again for His goodness and mercy? Come on, can we thank Him for who He is? Hallelujah. How do I know that Merle Ewing's song that I just sang is biblically accurate? That's a great question. I'm sure glad you asked. Because the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings. Somebody say all. all. In heavenly places in Christ. Watch the next verse. According as He has chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world. I want somebody to know right now, Pastor Lucas, before he stepped off of the balcony of timelessness into time, he saw you, he saw me, and he chose the church before the foundation of the world. Hear me, if anybody ever says the church is not important, you take them to Ephesians. Before he said, let there be light, he already had purchased the church in his plan and in his mind. (laughs) 
You know what that means? Before he saw you in sin, before you ever committed sin, before you ever fell in sin, he already had a plan of salvation. I don't know about you, but that makes me excited. That makes me realize that long before I even knew what sin was, amen, when it started with being naughty to mommy because she said, don't touch it, and I touched it. Long before that, he already had a way of escape prepared. Woo! That we should be holy. And without blame... Before him. Look at verse 5. Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself. Before he said, let there be light. Before he created anything on this earth. He already had salvation. That's why I titled this first a savior. Bef- watch this. Before there was sin and Satan, there was a Savior. Before there was man to destroy and pervert God's creation, there was a Savior. Before there was evil men waxing worse and seducers waxing worse, there was a Savior. Before all of that, there was a God who said, I'm coming. To bring forgiveness of sins. Look at verse 7. In whom we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. The wealth of this world will run out. The wealth of this world will fail. But the riches of his grace are limitless. The riches of his grace are invaluable and priceless. Hmm. Ephesians 1 goes on to explain that we are also predestined to an internal and eternal inheritance in the everlasting kingdom of Jesus Christ. All before the foundation of the world. How do I know that the song Merle Ewing sang and I just sang is true and biblically accurate? Again, thanks for asking. Great question. Let me take you to 2 Timothy verse 1. Or chapter 1, verse 7, rather. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Be not therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor me as prisoner, but be a partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was Given in Christ Jesus, somebody say it with me, before the world began. Already there was in the mind of God the power to save. Don't you dare think for one minute that God had to come up with a plan B when Adam and Eve sinned. Don't you think for one minute that when Abel was killed by Cain that God had to come up with a plan B. He already had his plan in motion and there is nothing the devil could do then and there's nothing the devil can do now to stop that plan. That is why, come here, 
You can be Peter for a minute. That is why when Peter in his impetuous spirit said, Oh Lord, you're not going to die. Jesus said, Get behind me, Satan. He wasn't calling Peter Satan. He was calling the spirit that was upon Peter Satan. He was saying, No, you don't understand. I've had a plan before the foundation of this world and there's not a devil in hell or an angel in heaven or a human on earth that can stop my plan. Wait a minute, somebody needs to get that in your spirit and realize nothing has happened to you that couldn't have happened to you were it not the plan of God. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Before the world began, God's holy purpose and grace were already working. I don't know if angels were already in existence and could experience. I don't know. I weren't there. And Scripture doesn't really tell us a whole lot about who might have been there. But I believe whatever he was doing, already he had it in mind. Already he was setting it in motion. In fact, I believe it to be this. Because we know when God speaks, something happens. Let there be light. Light happens. Right? Divides you know, light from darkness, it happens. Let there be fouls of the air, it happens. When God speaks, something happens. So I believe before all that, he's saying, let there be a Savior. And before there's even time, there's already a Savior. Let there be grace. It's already... In the old Charlton Heston Ten Commandments movie, Yul Brynner plays the part of the Pharaoh. And I love it when he says, so let it be written, so let it be done. You know, and, and, and it is, it's done. It's, it's wow, bam, you know, the, the Pharaoh has spoken. Well, if you can imagine that kind of authority, compound that by, by the God factor. <laughs> there may have not been anybody, record, no scribe recording it. <laughs> it is done, bam, grace is already there. You got to picture this. Grace is there before it's needed. I wish I could preach it like I feel it today. Salvation was there before you needed it. He already had it spoken, which means, watch this, which means grace and mercy extend beyond time. So, 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 So are you ready for this? Watch, watch, ready? Ready, catch this, catch this. Sin happened in time, therefore will expire. <laughs> but grace was before time <laughs> and will be. Oh. Come on now. It was already there. Uh, you know, people say it's gravity that holds the world up, but the Bible says God holds it up. He just uses gravity. And I think part of that gravity is grace, mercy, salvation. Mm. Watch this. This means that before Satan could embody a serpent, slither in and deceive the woman, God already had a plan of salvation. 
Remember a couple years ago I preached God has a plan. It's brilliant and I'm right. You, you remember. I'm a part of it. Watch this. God has a plan. It's brilliant. I've been part of it from before the beginning of the world. <laughs> Watch this. Some of us can recall our past and in so doing let it bring us down. But here's what I'm going to tell you to do. Look back a whole lot further. Go past the cross for a minute. Go all the way back to before Genesis 1-1. Get a hold of these verses I'm quoting from Timothy and Ephesians and say, wait a minute, salvation was already there. Look back further than your past to his forgiveness of your past. <clears throat> but wait, there's more. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18 through 20. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, here it is, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. Listen, your biological DNA is made up of your parents, but your spiritual heritage goes all the way back to from before the foundation of the world. Before God speaks, let there be light. He has already predestined your spiritual heritage. In other words, before sin could mar and mess you up, God already had created the miracle of His mercy to transform you back into His likeness. To wit, God was in Christ reconciling the world unto Himself. Before there was a temporal devil with an appointed date in the lake of fire. There was already an everlasting gospel being preached through the formless, empty, and dark expanse of space. And if you've ever really looked at creation in light of salvation, you'll recognize something. When the Spirit began to move, when did the Spirit first move? It was when there was darkness. It was when... There was formlessness. It was when there was void and emptiness. Let me tell you, God moves upon brokenness. God moves upon the emptiness and the void in people's life. God moves on the darkness of sin. And when the Spirit of God begins to move, He couples it with His Word. Let there be light. And in that instant, darkness is ripped away from light. Have you ever thought about that in light of salvation? The same thing happens with you. You come in empty. You came in formless. You came in dark. And light was spoken. And the word was preached. Can I tell you? That's why this word will be elevated and preached and taught. We're not going to turn this into programs. 
We're not going to turn this into professionalism. Uh -uh. The word is what's going to be elevated here because it is his light and his word that, oh, I wish somebody would hear me in the Holy Ghost. I don't want to, to another program that might help you just a little bit, that might give you a little boost and be a stupid flash in the pan. I want something that's going to transform. Sister Dana, I remember the night in about this spot where fear left you, where you were delivered. That don't happen in a program. That happens in anointing. Listen, I want to tell you what a divided world needs is a united church around the word of God. I'm not looking for an answer that a politician might give. I'm not looking for something coming down the pipe. I'm looking for what Jesus already has given. And I want to be that light. And I want to share it. Because he was first a Savior. Whew. Watch this. 1 Peter 1, 23. Anybody born again in this place? Online, wave at me if you're born again. Watch this. Being born again. Watch, watch, watch. Not of corruptible seed. Oh. This body is getting older every year. It's funny how that happens, right? I get, every year I get a birthday, I'm older. Right? The other day I got up and I was like, oh. And Shannon says, what's that? And I said, it's old age. Yes. It's working. Right? But inside, that inner man, that spirit man is being renewed day by day. So although I was born of corruptible seed, I've been born again not of corruptible seed, but of... So watch this, watch this. When Jesus comes again and the trumpet sounds, the Bible says this corruption will take on... See, it's already in us. Brother Kitty, when, when we're born again, he puts that seed already in us. And it begins to germinate and begin. Oh. And, and on that day when he comes, it's going to become its full bloom. Oh. And watch this. You're born again, watch this, by the word of God, ready? Which lives and abides. <laughs> watch. It was before time. It shall be after time. So that should encourage somebody that right now in time, there is nothing that can dethrone the word of God. There's not a military authority. There's not a legislative body. There's not an elite wealthy person wealthy enough to dethrone the word of God from his rightful place. It's already forever settled in heaven. Hallelujah, excuse me. Watch this. For all flesh is as grass and the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower there, uh, excuse me, thereof falls away. But, verse 25, watch this. The word of God endures. <laughs> oh, I just published another book. And, and, it, and it, I think it's good, um, you know, and it's, it's about the Bible, so it is good. Amen. But, but, Brother Jeremy, my book will pass away. 
Even though, it, even though it quotes the scripture, my book will pass away because Myron's words are not infallible. Myron's words are not forever settled, but God's words. Oh, hallelujah. These words endure. And this is how I'm born again. This is that incorruptible seed that's been planted in me. James calls it the engrafted word or means implanted word of God. So watch. The incorruptible seed that gave you new and eternal life is the very word of God that existed from before the foundation of this world. That's why he was first a savior. John joins Peter and Paul in such declarations when he writes in Revelation 13, 8 that Christ is the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Wow. Is it any wonder then that the Bible says all creation groans for the revealing of the sons of God. Is it any wonder then John would say, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Let's return back to Psalm 104 just briefly. You didn't know he was going to go on time travel today, did you? Whitaker has his imagination station, but boy, we can go all over the place. Psalm 104, verses 1 through 31 Reveal and rejoice in the one true God. He's that one creator who is the greater reality. He is first a savior. But then the psalmist shifts. And the final four verses take on an apocalyptic prophetic overtone. Listen as I read them. Verse 32. He looks on the earth and it trembles. He touches the hills and they smoke. I will sing unto the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have my being. My meditation of him shall be sweet. I will be glad in the Lord. Those two verses are like, well, why are you glad and singing if, if he's touching the earth and it's becoming smoke? And listen to the next verse. Verse 35, let the sinners be consumed out of the earth. Let the wicked be no more. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Praise ye the Lord. You think, well, whoa, 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 wait a minute. How can you praise the Lord at, at, at this apocalyptic destruction? Another great question. You guys are asking some great questions in this Bible study today. Here's why, here's how. Whoever this psalmist was, as I've presented to you, I believe he reached back in. He, he may have not seen all the way back before the world. He may have not seen Calvary, but we know, I believe he did, because in order to see the apocalypse, he, I believe, had to prophetically see the Messiah coming the first time. And so I believe what happened was he saw Genesis 1 and 2, which are perfect but the, 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 the first two chapters are perfect. By the way, the first two and the last two are perfect. There's no sin in them. The chapter three, though, sin enters the world. Chapter four, there's the first murder. By chapter six, God's repenting because he even made man in the first place. And then we get in this cycle of sin until Jesus comes and takes it away. And we still sometimes battle our sin, don't we? This flesh can be horrible. And we have to daily put our flesh in subjection. We have to daily submit unto Christ. And I believe the psalmist saw all this and he's like, Oh God, I can't wait for a day when creation is no longer marred by sin. And so as the Holy Spirit compels him to write that God looks on the earth and it trembles 
and he touches it and he smokes. I believe he saw into the future of when the Lord comes back the second time. And so he's like, oh boy, I will sing unto the Lord. That's a great day because he's coming to restore and redeem. It will be a great day because sin made ugly what God had made beautiful. And the 104th psalmist longs for a return to God's beauty. Let me say this as we bring this first half to a close. Jesus did come once to deal with sin. He was that lamb slain from before the foundation of the world. And in our timeline, about 4,000 years. From let there be light to Calvary. And he came. And whosoever will can repent, can be baptized in his name, and can be filled with his Holy Spirit. Can begin living a sanctified and holy life. And looking forward to that day when he comes. But here's the thing about God. If I had, I don't left my wallet in my study. But Jeff, if I had a hundred dollar bill and I just said, you can have it. All he'd have to do is get up and take it. And I want to check make sure it's not counterfeit. That's how simple. But here's here's the simplicity of it. God's not going to take that and and stuff it in his pocket and make him take it. Salvation is for whosoever will, but you have to ask for it. On the cross, I, I can't remember which gospel writer, but one of them indicates that both of the thieves railed on Jesus initially. But somewhere, one of them had a change of heart because another gospel writer mentions how one of them, Brother Sal, said, Lord, we deserve what we're getting, but you don't. And and so, Lord, this day, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And this day, you'll be with me in paradise. The other thief heard it and could have said, Lord, I'm sorry, too. Pharisees heard it. Soldiers heard it. Heard it. They could have asked as well to be forgiven. But Jesus won't force it on anybody. He is coming again. And when he touches the hills, they are going to smoke. They're going to melt like wax. He's not coming as a lamb to save this time. He's coming as a lion to redeem. He's coming with a vengeance. And he's going to exact vengeance and and recompense his righteous seed. That is why the last verse can say, let the sinners be consumed out of the earth, Lord. Clean it up. When the flood happened, the Bible says it washed all the flesh. God was cleansing the earth of sin. And in typology, it points ahead to when he floods the earth with fire. So I want to ask somebody this morning here and online, are you ready to go when Jesus comes? I want you to stand with me if you would.
And I want you to pray with me right now. Lord Jesus, I repent. I repent, Lord, for my attitude. I repent, Lord, for sins I've committed that I've known and sins that I didn't even realize I was committing. I repent, oh God, for times I've let pride rise up into my heart. I repent, oh God, for times I've been prayerless. I repent, Lord, for times I haven't done what you want me to do. Cleanse me and wash me. Come on, just pray with me for a minute. If you're here and you need to repent, just repent for a moment. Amen. You may already have the Holy Ghost, that's great, but maybe you need a renewing today. God's going to do it in Jesus' name. If you're online, come on, just take a moment and repent in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. As the music comes up for uh, the break, I'm going to ask if you want to take a place to pray, you want to come around this front and pray or kneel at your, your, your chair and pray, go ahead and do that. Amen. We will be coming back at, our, at the end of our break for second half, but let God work in your heart and realize He was first a Savior. God bless you in Jesus' name.